Today we have a Bible reading from 1 John chapter 3 verses 1 to 3 and I understand that this was written to the churches around Ephesus that at that time there was some disunity and fracturing so this reading is a reminder um, an encouragement and an exhortation. See what great love the Father has lavished on us, that we should be called children of God. And that is what we are. The reason the world does not know us is that it did not know him. Dear friends, now we are children of God, and what we will be has not yet been made known. But we know that when Christ appears, we shall be like him for we shall see him as he is. All who have this hope in him purify themselves just as he is pure. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks, Karina. Good morning. Great to be with you. My name's Matt, and uh, a special welcome as well if you're online and listening. It's great to be with you in your homes. Thanks for inviting us in. Well, I wonder whether you've ever felt like an imposter in a particular situation, amongst a particular group of people. Have you ever felt like you don't quite fit in, like you don't belong? Uh, psychologists since the late 1970s have called this the imposter syndrome. And they describe it as a moment or a, a time where an individual doubts their accomplishments or their talents and they have a persistent and internalized fear of being exposed, of being found out to be a fraud. Um, this can happen in so many different circumstances in our life, can't it? You know, in friendship circles, uh, even in family, maybe at school uh, or at work. In fact, psychologists tell us that 70% of us experience uh, the imposter syndrome at work. We don't feel like we should be doing what we're doing. Uh, in fact, Albert Einstein is said to be a self-confessed person who felt like an imposter. You know, what does that tell you about everything we know about physics, right? When he feels like an imposter. I was in a Zoom chat uh, this week, and it was like an invite-only Zoom chat. And I logged in, and I didn't know who else would be there, and up started coming names and faces, and uh, I, I noticed, I recognized some of the names from different churches and things around Australia, and some of them were names that I really recognized and you might recognize. And I thought, oh, golly, like, you know, there's some pretty important people here. And as the screens came on, there were these really young, cool, hip-looking Christian influencers and pastors from around Australia. And I, I've got to tell you, my first reflex, my... Um, initial response was to tilt my laptop screen down a little bit so that it chopped off the top of my head because I didn't want them to notice that I was no longer a hip, cool, young Christian influencer if I'd ever been. And then we went into these little breakout groups, you know, and I'm like, oh no, I was trying to look for the big red button, you know, end meeting, get out, because they wanted to have a conversation about these things that the keynote speaker was thinking about. And I just thought to myself, oh man, I am in way too deep. I do not belong. I am an imposter in this situation. I reckon we can often feel like that in being children of God, 
in our relationship with God, we can feel like imposters. And that's true for us whether we've been Christians for a long time. Uh, maybe you've been coming to this church or to another church for a long time. And maybe you're going through a hard or a dry season in life and you just feel like a bit of an imposter when you turn up. Maybe you're kind of newer to faith than that uh, and you go to a small group and people talk about how much they pray or read the Bible and you think, gee, I'm not sure whether I belong here, whether I really fit in. Or maybe you're exploring Christianity for the first time and you're thinking to yourself, I'm not sure whether I could jump in, whether I could come in the flesh to church uh, because I'm afraid of being found out for who I really am. We can feel like imposters when it comes to being children of God. Uh, John talks to this issue, and he wants us to know how we can know that we are children of God, how we can know that we are really His children, that we belong. And so I want to open that with you this morning. Have a look at that, because I think some of us feel like imposters when it comes to being children of God. Firstly, let's talk about how we don't know that we're children of God. How don't we know that we're children? Uh, John writes this in, at the end of verse 1. He says, The reason the world does not know us is that it did not know Him. John's point is the world does not recognize that you're a child of God. The world does not recognize that you're children of God. Uh, by the world, he's talking about humanity in general and kind of humanity as a whole that are indifferent to God, you know. He's saying they don't look at you and see, oh, wow, you're a child. You're special. You're a child of God. You're valuable. You're important. You're, you're His. They don't see that. Um, and you know this to be true, right? Your boss doesn't call you up and as he's calling everybody else and he says, hey, you know what? During this difficult time, we're going to have to give you a 20% pay cut. And he doesn't call you up and he doesn't say, hey, you know, Matt, we're calling everyone and we're giving you a, a pay cut of 20%. But actually, we found out you're a child of God. And so we're not going to treat you like that. You don't have to take the pay cut. You know, when you're at Harris Farm or at Woolies or at Coles this week trying to do your COVID-safe shop, it's not as if you look at the queues, you know, and they're stretched to the back of the building and they're crowded and you're wondering, how do I do this safely? And the manager comes up to you, he taps you on the shoulder and he says, hey, I've just found out. You're a child of God. And so we've opened this special little queue for you. Nobody else is in this queue, except for other children of God, of course, and it's all safe. You could come through here. The tax office is not going to call you this year and say, hey, we found out you're a child of God. No need to pay your taxes this year. I'm sorry for the bad news this morning. The, the reason the world does not recognize you is because it is, does not recognize him. Um, John, John tells us this, you're not going to live a hashtag blessed life in the sense that everything goes your way because you're a child of God. People are not going to treat you differently because you're a child of God. So that's not a good place to get an indication for ourselves of whether we're in or whether we're, we're out, of whether we're children of God or not. And in fact, John assumes that we already know this, that we already realize that we don't get special treatment by the world. And so he just gives this assurance that the reason the world does not know us is that it did not know him. And actually, there's a bit of a, a flip side to this. And that is this, that if 
you experience hardship in life. In fact, if you experience, if you suffer perhaps more for being a Christian, perhaps there's an explanation. Perhaps it's because you're on the same road that Jesus was. Perhaps it's because you're beginning to look like him and people don't like that. Perhaps it's because you belong to a different family. So our experience of hardship uh, can tell us something, but it doesn't tell us everything. It can't give us the assurance that we are children of God. There's another um, way in which we often look for our sense of being a child of God in the world, and that is we look to ourselves, we look at our inner self, we look at uh, what we're like as people. So John writes this, he says, Dear friends, now we are children of God, and what we will be has not yet been made known. What he's saying is this, he's saying, we are children of God right now today, that is true, but you're not complete yet. You are not the full expression of what that child will one day look like. In fact, at the end of verse 2, he says this, but we know that when Christ appears, we shall be like him. In other words, the hope of the child of God right now is that one day we will look like him, but it's a future hope, it's not a present reality. And so sometimes, you know, we look at ourselves for our assurance, our confidence, our peace of mind that we are children of God. But John says you can't really do that. You shouldn't do that. You should be careful if you try and do that because you're a little bit buggy. You're not the complete model yet. There's still some issues. You know, where do we look? We look at our character, don't we? We look at how we uh, deal with difficult situations. We look at how we deal with difficult people. We look at the level of peace we have on the inside. We look at our general attitude to life, and sometimes we mark that up as, yeah, I'm a child of God. Look, I'm doing really well. Uh, but one of the things I've noticed about getting older, and hopefully about getting more mature in my Christian faith, is that I actually become more familiar with my failings. I become more familiar with my failings. Um, it's kind of like when friends, you know, when friends meet for the first time, it's just kind of banter and good times, isn't it, you know? But over years, you eventually become acutely aware of how you can let that friend down. Our faith is kind of like that. And John is not saying, so therefore, because we know we let God down, we shouldn't try. In fact, in verse 3 here, at the end of that passage we heard today, he said, all who have this hope in him purify themselves. In other words, everyone who is hoping one day to be like Christ everyone who knows that one day they'll be like him, who are captivated by him, we actually uh, spend this life wanting and working towards becoming more like him. As much as possible in this life, we try and do this. And so we should ask ourselves this morning, you know, uh, do you see yourself growing in your faith? Do your friends tell you you're growing in your faith? Do they give you that feedback? I sat down uh, with a good mate, this week, and uh, we had Chinese down in Chatswood, and we're talking, and I just asked him how he was going. And he's actually a father who's got 15 years more experience than me. He's got two more kids than me. And the first thing he mentioned was his fatherhood, and he just said, oh, Matt, you know what? At home, I feel like I need to care less about the house because I just am a neat freak, and I hold that against my kids, and, and I need to just be a little bit more fun. 
And I thought, wow, like here's a guy with heaps more experience than me who's, who's trying to purify himself, who's trying to become a better dad. But as he's purifying himself, he's more aware of his impurities, you know? And, and faith is, is like that. We become acutely more aware of our shortfallings. And so even if you spend your whole life working towards becoming a better person, a better Christian, uh, you're still going to feel like an imposter at the end of the day because you'll know you can let God down. You know you can let others down. You know you can let yourself down. And so our inner self, the changes that we make, how we think, how we feel, uh, our relationships, how we treat people, how we talk, how we walk, how we pray, can tell us something about our life with God, but it can't tell us everything. And so where do we go to get our sense, our assurance that we are children of God? Where do we go? Well, the imposter syndrome, uh, interestingly, the psychologists tell us that no threshold of achievement puts these feelings to rest. No threshold of achievement puts these feelings to rest. And so they actually tell us that what we need to do is we need to remember that everyone is on the same page when it comes to these feelings about the imposter syndrome. We're all on the same page. We're all as bad as one another in our thoughts, in our minds. Uh, We're all just as unfulfilled and still searching. And so this is helpful to a point because they say something we can do to help ourselves is to share with one another about where we're really at. And that at least brings down the walls and we know that we're just as bad as one another. But I don't think that's as helpful an answer as we can have with our relationship with God because that just leaves us where we are. We're all just the same. We're all just unsure and uncertain in ourselves. And so John has something for us to, uh, for us to hear this morning. And he says this, In verse 1, he says, See what great love the Father has lavished on us, that we should be called children of God, and that is what we are. See what great love the Father has lavished on us, that we should be called children of God, and that is what we are. John says, you've got to see it. You've got to see God's love. And I get uh, feedback at work often uh, for putting exclamation marks in just about every email I send, I might be inviting you for a coffee or asking you to do something on a Sunday, and you'll get half a dozen exclamation marks. Because I'm trying to be a little bit excited in that email. And so I get appropriate feedback that says, Matt, maybe cut out the exclamation marks. It's not really necessary. But John's exclamation mark in here is absolutely appropriate. It's absolutely appropriate. Because he is having what one commentator says is just an outburst of wonder. This outburst of a mate, this existential moment that comes from just seeing and knowing what God has done for him and God's love for him. And he's just shouting to us. And the first thing he says to us is see. And I want you to notice in this passage, everything is just so passive. John's not really asking you to do much. There's nothing for you to really do here, except the first thing he says is just see. I don't know whether you've had those moments where you just gaze at something wonderful, something beautiful. You know, maybe you've visited in a time gone by, you visited a a natural wonder of the world or a wonder of the world, some great architecture or the Grand Canyon, and you just stand in amazement and have one of those moments. You just behold it, you just see it. You're not doing anything, right? You're a tourist walking by, you've got your ticket, but you're just looking. I often do this uh, with trees, 
is a small moment of self-confession, and I, I don't want you to tell anyone about it, really. Um, and I try and do this when nobody else is on the street, but I'll be walking down the street, and I'll just see a tree, and you know, a tree with a circumference like this round. And I'll, I'll carefully look around, make sure nobody's noticed. I'll just put my hand on that tree. And I'll just have this moment where I just think, this tree is so much bigger than me. You know, it's been here so much longer than me. It's been around so many years, and it's going to be around after I go. This tree will still be here. And I just see, I just perceive, I just behold, I just stand in amazement. That's what John is asking us to do. Just try and wrap your mind around what? And he says this, he says, try and wrap your mind around what great love the Father has lavished on us. God's great love. Great here is actually not a great translation. Uh, some translations put it better, right, when they say, what kind of love is this that we are children of God? The word for great uh, quite literally means, from what country is this thing? It's kind of this expression of shock and disbelief, bewilderment, uh, a mixture of disbelief and kind of admiration. You can imagine in, a, in, an, in an ancient world seeing this foreign object for the first time and you're kind of like what is this that's the expression we would say where on earth did this come from what on earth is this that's what john's saying he's saying see god's different love his amazing love his unearthly kind of love and you might say well why is it so unearthly why is it different why is it so foreign what's amazing about it and his point is this, his point is God's love is amazing because you and I don't deserve it and we're not entitled to it and yet he gives it to us. One commentator writing about 400 years ago says this, he says, we are by nature heirs of sin and guilt and the curse of God and by practice are children of corruption disobedience and ingratitude. Strange that the holy God is not ashamed to be called our Father and to call us His sons. You know, he wrote that 400 years ago, but I feel like we know that to be true today. Isn't it strange that God is not ashamed actually to call Himself our Father and to call us His children? We know He should be ashamed because we know what we think. We know what we do we know who we really are we know we're not perfect children we're imposters now i think one of the most helpful things about the imposter syndrome idea is is not the need that not that uh, we need to cut ourselves some slack because we're all the same that's not the most helpful thing the most helpful thing is that it tells us that we're seeing ourselves for who we truly are that actually our consciences are alive and well and it tells us something true about ourselves. Not only are we often imposters where we are, but actually on a deeply personal and moral level, we're imposters with God. We don't deserve to be called His children. We deserve the opposite. We're failures, we're problem makers, we're bad to ourselves, we're bad to others. And once we see that, then we can see how otherworldly this love is. Because he's not just giving us 
what we deserve or better than we deserve, like a good dad might. He's giving us the opposite of what we deserve, like what might happen in another world, perhaps. His great love for us is that we get his love, a love that would befit a prince, you know, or a perfect son, an obedient child, a love that would be between God the Father and God the Son. And we get that. And we are called God's children precisely because God sent his son into the world, precisely because he sent his child in the world. You see, Jesus, the perfect son, became one of us so that we might become one of him, like him. And he was treated as if he were one of us, an imposter, an outsider, a failure, a fraud, a poser, so that we could be treated as if we were him, a rightful son, a child of God, loved, accepted, someone who really belongs. And that is why God can call us his children, because in Jesus, that is who we are. Uh, Naomi and I, as many of you know, we called our firstborn son Leif. And Leif is a Scandinavian, old Nordic name, actually, uh, which means beloved. It means loved one. You know, and we gave him that name kind of before he was, he was born. And we gave him that name not because we live with an expectation that he will earn our love. You know, that he will fill some kind of capacity to earn our love. We gave him that name because we want him to know that he is our beloved. We want him to know that, we, that he is love. That is who he is. It's the same with God. If you trust and believe in Jesus Christ, then you become a child of God. That is who you are. And God doesn't give you the name. You know, there, there is, of course, the opportunity and the wonder of becoming like him. But he gives you the name through his son because that is who he has made you. That is who you are. If we can accept what Jesus did in our place, we can trust who we are in his place. If we can accept what Jesus did in our place, then we can trust who we are in his place. Children of God. That is who we are. You know, I said, our experience doesn't tell us that God loves us. Our inner self doesn't tell us that we're children of God. God's great love tells us that we are his children. Happy Father's Day. Amen. Amen. Let's pray. I'm going to invite the band up and we're going to sing how deep the Father's love for us and give you a chance to reflect on how great God's love is for you. But let me pray for us as we do that. Our Father in heaven, we are so privileged and honored to be called your children, for that is who we are by the gracious work of your Son. So help us today even to be those children to live like Jesus, to love like Jesus. But when we fail, or when we feel like frauds, help us to see your great love for us again and again. Amen.